podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Cage Warriors featherweight. Check out and subscribe to Ace Podcast Nation on YouTube for one of the best fight, fight podcasts around and the Danny Batten Fight Show every Wednesday for all MMA news. Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 62, and uh, we're going to be talking to our very special guest, plus uh, a bit of latest news, and of course, last night's return of the UFC. Uh, we'll be talking the main card, fight by fight, as well as some MMA news, and uh, Paige Van Zandt's bare knuckle boxing debut, which was interesting, to say the least, but uh, with it, no further ado, I'll introduce my uh, my co-host and my guest in just a second. But uh, if you'd like to watch this series or all the other series that we do on the channel, you can uh, subscribe youtube.com slash acepodcastnation on YouTube. Click the bell, get notifications every time we go live or upload a show. And of course, you can get the audio versions of everything. At your usual podcast uh, platforms and apps, just search Ace Podcast Nation and all the different series are there. There's like... 300 and something episodes there's a lot of different series and shows for you to check out but uh, as mentioned my co-host former cage warriors champion uk mma legend it is mr danny button how goes it my friend yeah it's all good um you know right side right arnold um yeah what what a good weekend you know extra treat having arnold on this is this is great Um, i've never had the chance to speak to him face to face in in person let alone um on a podcast like this so yeah really excited about this weekend yeah it's uh, always good mate when the ufc is back as well gives us that extra bit of uh, stuff to talk about and there were some good fights last night so looking forward to having a little chat about but before we get there we are uh, delighted to be joined by uh, number nine ranked featherweight in the world it is ufc star mr arnold allen <laughs> allen how are you mate good mate yourself yeah, I'm all good, mate. It's a, it's a weird one for us because we normally record like in the evenings and we, it's, we're all a bit disjointed because we're in the, obviously you're in America. So we I'm wanted so to, you yeah, know, we just wanted to, we, we wanted to, you know, we're happy to rearrange and because yeah. we're talking to people from all over the, yeah, thanks the globe. So it's, just, you know, we'll do what it is for anyone. But um, delighted to have you, mate. Thanks, uh, how's it, how's it been the last sort of year or so? Uh, obviously, you're over in the states, but, yeah, um, but I, I'm in Canada at the minute. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, I'm up in Montreal. Yeah. Nice. That, for me, like having not been to either place, 
that I, I automatically think, oh, that's cool. I, I'd rather be in Canada, but I don't know what it's like for you. Like, it's weird because it's been a strange sort of 12 months or so. Obviously, we're yeah. in the UK. We've been in lockdown since before Christmas. Uh, very restricted. What's it like where you are at the moment? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same. It's, uh, yeah, there's lockdowns, there's curfews, you have to be home by eight, but you get fined and all that sort of business. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit stripped off. Everything's shut. The gym's all shut, but, uh, you know, we're making, uh, we're Make making the most good. of it, I suppose. What's, yeah. um, what's it been like from a training perspective, like over the last year or so? Yeah, uh, it's been on and off because the first period of like the lockdown and the pandemic we kind of didn't know what was going on so people weren't training I was sort of doing my own thing for like six weeks and then uh, sort of made a little underground training a group of us uh, getting together somewhere and, and at an unknown location and doing some training so yeah we, you know it's got to sort of got to make it work haven't we so yeah I mean you had um, you had a fight scheduled against Jeremy Stevens in November yeah. uh, which was unfortunately it was cancelled because uh, yeah. I think he had an injury didn't he yeah. um, that must have been disappointing to obviously go through the difficulties of training through lockdown and stuff like that to have the fight then mm. sort of binned off was there any talk of a replacement fight or was it kind of once it was off it was done yeah there was like a couple options and stuff but at that point we wanted we wanted like top 10 top 15 and I didn't want to just take a last-minute replacement for like any any sake yeah. of it. So uh, yeah, we're in a, obviously other than waiting a year and being out for so long, we're in a good position at the minute. So like, I, I don't want to just take a pointless risk last minute for for nothing, you know, just for the sake of having a fight. Yeah, you've re- obviously Dan, like Arnold's worked his way up into ninth in the rankings. You can kind of understand not wanting to take a last minute fight against uh, almost like a mystery opponent at the last minute mm. when you know Jeremy Stevens is a big name as well isn't he yeah that's it and that was that was the fight I wanted to put my name out there and you know the guy I was visualising and when I was doing my sort of meditation in the mornings that was the the next step I was looking at like taking out someone like that and uh, yeah that's what I wanted but obviously you don't always get what you want no, there's um, there's been some, you know, the, that featherweight division is stacked. Um, Danny, obviously, we've seen some big fights in that division of late. Uh, obviously, yeah, we had Max Holloway returning back to form. Uh, who would you like to see Arnold go up against in the, in the future? Obviously, above him, you've got Jeremy Stevens, you've got Josh Emmett, Calvin Qatar. Uh, who else we got? Yaya, Yaya Rodriguez, you've got Zabit. Anyone in there? Brian Ortega, Max Holloway, right at the top. Anyone in there, Danny, which kind of you'd think straight away that's the fight I'd like to see? Yeah, yeah. Um, to, to be honest, I think you know he's reached the sort of levels where any of those guys are sort of like legit for him to fight. Um, I, I just would like to see him get anything that's approaching towards the top five, to be honest. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think he's definitely served his dues and shown that he's legit at the highest order. Um, he's got fantastic record coming into UFC, really has. So, yeah, I, I think once you get to that sort of top 10, um, I think you're setting yourself up in a position to take on anyone in that division. So, yeah, no, no one really stylistically or, you know, like you say, it's such a stacked division. Um, it really, really is. But 
yeah, just because of the situation sort of like we're in, um, I wouldn't like to see him fight someone at that top 10 now. That just would not yeah. make sense to me. Um, yeah, like maybe, you know, get that Jeremy Stevens fight back on. You know, perhaps that would be a good thing. But, you know, you haven't fought since January. Um, is this something that plays on your mind? I've, I've noticed throughout your career, there has been odd spells where you've only had one fight per year. Is that something that's led to any rust feelings when you step back in when it's been a bit of a layoff like that? Uh, no, I've never really had that, that feeling. But, yeah, I, I like to fight and I like to be active and all that. And I, I train like I'm in camp all year round. Uh, I've been pretty fortunate with injuries and that sort of stuff. I haven't had too many bad injuries. Just a little bit of bad luck here and there with the fights and that. Because yeah, I'm in the gym all year, I never really think about the ring rust or anything. I, I think that comes from people, you know, they're, they're not fighting for a year, so then they're not training half of that year, you know what I mean? They're not, they're not living the lifestyle. They're sort of doing their thing, having the odd beer here and there at night, you know. I'm, living like I'm in camp all year, so, yeah. Right. Especially when it's like, uh, yeah, right, right now, we're sure, like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, actually, you, you say about, like, that you're, you're always in camp all year round, because, you know, I've been coaching for about 20 years now, and I've come yeah. across very different characters, and certainly when pros become more established, you, you can notice a pattern with certain pros that they come back on the scene real heavy during a fight camp and yeah. can sort of disappear sort of thing. Are you definitely one of those, would you suggest that you're definitely one of those lifestyle guys that, you know, you're, you're in your absolute prime at the moment, aren't you, for a good number yeah. of years from now onwards? Would yeah, you say this is just a complete lifestyle for you? That, that's exactly it. And uh, being out here in Canada, obviously I'm like, there's no messing about. I'm, I'm in the gym or I'm at home, you know what I mean? So there's, mm. there's no, I'm living like a monk's lifestyle. I'm going to the gym, coming home. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, it's all about getting better and, and being ready. I, I always said before I was in the top ten, I want to be ready for the top five. You know, like before I'm in the top yeah. fifteen, I want to be ready for the top ten. So I'm I'm trying to improve, improve, improve always. So. Mm -hmm. And how is it you ended up getting out towards you know for for training? Was this something that was planned with your your, your original coaches? You know, how's this all materialized? Uh, just so Tom Breeze and Joe Duffy were out here when I came out here, and I uh, I kind of knew them a little. So then I knew I, I wanted to go somewhere because I won my debut. I, I won a bonus, and I, I always said I want to go to one of the big gyms, you know, like the, the you know the big one. But um, ended up coming here first, and I never went anywhere else. To be honest, so I just uh, yeah, I'm gonna try all the gyms out and sort of see what I like. And then uh, because I had a sort of mutual friend over here. In Duffy and Breeze, so I was like, oh, you know, I'll just come over there and uh, never went anywhere else. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to know. I mean, I've, I've had students of mine go stateside to to train, but yeah. never in Canada. You know, is it? You know, what's the difference in their training? You know, what's the temptation for you to train out there rather than being, say, back in the UK and stuff like that? Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, would you say, suggest? I, I just like the way uh, like Fraz operates. Like working with him. Just like, his his strategy is so good, you know. Like I, mm -hmm. the way when it comes to like looking at a fight and his game planning and breaking things down, it's uh, I haven't worked with anyone that sort of breaks a fight down like that. And like he just looks at it in a different way. You know? I, I hardly watch tape on opponents and stuff now because he just watches it and, and tells me something I I didn't even see. So yeah, and and also the big thing here from obviously not now during the pandemic, but. Uh, 
before there was always top level guys coming in from the US, there was top coaches coming in, there was always people flying in every other week to come train for two or three weeks, you know, like there was always a different look and you know, ahead of the curve sparring and like, people from this place bringing this technique over that I've never seen before. Uh, the guys from, from uh, Danahar's, like, all the jiu-jitsu guys were coming up. People would spend two weeks in New York, come back, and we drill all those things. So it, mm. It's just sort of like being ahead of the times a little bit with that stuff. Sounds like training heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it's, I guess as well, when you're out in the can, Canada or the US, there's a lot of uh, different places where you can go training. There's yeah. a lot of top-level guys within almost touching distance that you can spar with, you can bring in, you can go there, or they can come to you. So that's going to make a massive difference to your, to your development and stuff. Um, and obviously, like I mentioned, the Jeremy Stevens fight was off in November. Um, there's been a lot of rumours online and social media that you've got a fight coming up in April, although it's not uh, officially announced. And there's been a couple of different names mentioned. I think, obviously, Stevens being one of them and, and Sadiq Youssef, uh, who is ranked 10, so obviously right below you. Um, like, how, what are you thinking in terms of if, that, if, you know, if, these fight, if the fight in April comes, out, comes about? Do you feel ready and are you looking to make some sort of like a big statement in terms of going forward? Yeah, definitely. Uh, at this point, it's all about making that statement and, uh, you know, breaking through and like the prospect or all hype or whatever and becoming like solidified in the division. And I like make all right, and then make a claim for top five or something, you know, make a push towards that. I've won seven on the bounce now in the UFC, so. Yeah, I need to make a point and sort of stamp my position. Yeah, there's not many, uh, not many guys within the UFC who've got a win streak uh, that you'd like to, uh, to the equivalent of what you've got. Um, so I think, and I, I was saying to Danny just before the show, like I feel like uh, yourself and Leon Edwards, who are you know in the top ten rankings of your particular divisions, almost don't get the attention or the credit perhaps that you deserve for being in there. I don't know whether it's because you're kind of British guys in a predominantly US-based company or what, or and the media tend to focus on the other guys. It's, it's a strange one. But um, like Danny, obviously we've talked about Leon uh, not probably getting the credit which he deserves in terms of where he is in the, in the rankings. Do you feel this, like the same about Arnold a little bit? Like he's kind of... Worked his way up to num uh, number nine in the rankings, but maybe doesn't get his name out there, or not his name out there, but maybe people aren't giving him the credit that he deserves as such. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one to, to get my head around. I mean, we can only really surmise the reasons, but it does seem to feel that way. I, I, I just think unless you're going to be one of those fighters that are really brash and you, you, you say sort of things that are a little bit off the cuff to create aggravation in your opponent and it sort of like creates attention that way around. I think for the really professional ones that just want to let their performance do the speaking, so to speak, um, do kind of get left on the sidelines a little bit. And, yeah. and But it's also part of this, well, that featherweight is such a stacked division and you do get different divisions where they become more stacked than others yeah. um, over the course of time. But the featherweights really, really are super stacked. So whether it's just because there's been so many interesting matchups at featherweight, um, you know, maybe that's just you know making a few of the people uh, get a little bit overlooked. I don't know, but look, you know, he's quietly been moving himself up those ranks, 
quite he began um, you know been gaining that sort of experience um, to set him up ready to break into that potential top five. So um, sometimes I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think with Arnold's particular career, maybe it's gone a little bit under the radar because of you know on some of the times he's only having one or two fights per year. So mm. again, that kind of keeps you out of the continuing speaking light, if you so if you know what I mean. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We we can only guess really at it, but uh, I don't think it served as a, a bad thing because Arnold's so young. Uh, what you're 27, yeah, 28, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I mean this is incredible when you think the kind of experience that. You, you've got at such a young age, and this is something that we've mentioned about numerous times, haven't we, Sire, on the mm. podcast with Jack Shaw and people like that. And we talk Jack Hadley, who's you know, got two titles um, in, in a pretty young career when you think he's, what, 8-0 and o now? Mm. And already picked up two titles. It's, it's incredible. But, yeah, you, you've been you know, in UFC for a few years now and, yeah. and got an incredible record considering you're fighting in the number one promotion. Um, is it... Sort of like more comfortable for you sitting under the radar, or do you feel like it might put pressure on you if you was thrust into the limelight and everything you see is with you mentioned in it? Do you think it make a difference for you? Uh, I, no, I don't think it make a difference for me. To be fair, but uh, I, I do like it this way, you know, like going under the radar and sort of chipping away, and doing my thing in the background, you know, getting there slowly and quietly. But uh, yeah, but at the same time, if you're in the limelight and you're making noise. You're not going to be waiting. You're going to be getting offers to fight. You're going to be getting. They want you back. You know, like so yeah. Eventually, I'm going to have to start because I don't want to be waiting my whole career on the sidelines. So, yeah, of course. I, but also thinking in a way as well, the uh, the delays and the the long layoffs or whatever have, have been a blessing in a way because um, I signed with the UFC when I was 21, and uh, you know I I took little gaps between fights to improve. So. I slowly made sure that I'm I'm ready for that next level. You know, when I signed, there was probably I was probably a little bit. You know, there was some matchups. I'm like, maybe I'm not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. Still a bit, still a bit green. Still a bit, you know. Yeah. But with the levels up in between the fights and like I say, being in camp all year, it's uh, I've made those sort of improvements between every fight. Yeah. Do you feel like with each fight, you've become a better fighter every time? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like you learn from your mistakes, but also you learn from from your camps and the the training we do every day. So. The um, one of the one of the uh, we had a couple of questions sent in, um, and this guy he guys he sends in the sort of same sort of questions because I think he likes to hear the different fighters' opinions. Um, mm. The first one he sent in was, if you could fight any featherweight, past or present, who would you choose? Oh. Who would I choose? It's a tough one. I, I've always said, whenever anyone asks this this question, whoever's got the belt is what I want. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's always... I remember it used to be Aldo, and uh, I was always thinking... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, whoever's got the belt is what I want. It's a good answer, that, isn't it? Also, um, we put the, we had um, Linton Vassell, uh, Bellator fighter, on last week, and we put this question to him, was... Um, if we, if he thinks, if he thought that fighters have to go to the UFC to be considered among the best in the world, um, or can you, or can you establish yourself as the best in the world from a Bellator or a Cage Warriors or whatever it may be, mm. what do you think about that? Do you think that really you need to go to the UFC to become or to be counted as the the very best in the world? Uh, well, 
I train with some guys that aren't in the UFC and they're absolute killers and you know mm. so uh, like they're nightmare rounds and it's it's hell and I know it's different in the gym for the fight but I mean I'd, I'd consider some of those guys the best in the world and they're not yeah. UFC but also there's different circumstances you know guys are good enough and maybe they don't get the fights or they, they haven't got the opportunity to get in or they haven't you know, management or whatever reason they haven't got attention and they haven't they just haven't got their shot so not necessarily I don't think so yeah it's interesting I think maybe from the outside looking mm. in people think people assume like because UFC is the biggest company in the world yeah that automatically if you're not in the, if you don't make it to the UFC or you don't go to the UFC then mm. you you know you're not the best in the world but I think that's probably a like a false narrative in terms of when you really look at it because yeah. like you say there's some absolute killers all over the place who aren't in the UFC and it, it. it can be it can be down to opportunity or you know just having an injury at the wrong time and mm. and things can change quickly um, uh, this will be an interesting one um, this one was from JD he said um, in your opinion uh, who do you think will be the next British champion in the UFC? Hmm. Oh, that's a hard one. I don't know. I mean, like Darren Tillett looks like a good sort of path for because obviously he's got all the noise and all that. And there's in the middleweight, the top sort of lot. There's a lot of striking matchups that sort of obviously favour him. Well, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Leon, it's interesting, isn't it? Because You've yeah. obviously got like uh, Dan Till, you've got Leon Edwards, you've got yourself all in the rankings. So, you know, they'd all be probably a, a kind of a natural shout for it. But yeah. there's, uh, there's a lot of unbelievable talent so just, just starting their UFC careers and, and in Cage Warriors or, or Bellator. It's, um, it's fascinating watching the, the British fighters come through at the moment. Yeah. I don't know, um, like, how much you keep up to date with like cage warriors and stuff like that but like yeah. obviously it does it does seem like over the next few years we could see a bit of a a british invasion on the mma scene in terms of the very top definitely definitely actually you know what i'm gonna put my hat up uh corey mckenna i'm gonna say she's gonna be champion the next year's champion uh, indeed that's what excellent I'm even though she says she's Welsh and she's English, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it. She's doing it for publicity, whatever. <laughs> Interesting you should meet, uh, you should mention Corey McKenna because uh, next week uh, on the show we have Corey McKenna joining us, which is a nice, nice little link. Nicely done, Arnold. I like that. Yeah. Set me up nicely, but we're really, really looking forward to that. As, as a Welshman myself, as well, <laughs> I uh, enjoy getting these these Welsh fighters on. She ain't but real. Uh, yeah, look, really looking idea. forward to. Her. Nah, she's she's <laughs> Welsh as they Welsh as they come. She is Welsh as they come. Um, another thing I wanted to sort of pick your brains on because I'm kind of genuinely interested what the current fighters think of it. It's kind of like these celebrity fights or the youtuber fights more than yeah. anything it's not even celebrities it's like jake paul and you've got jake paul kind of saying stuff about conor mcgregor's wife to try and get his attention and you've got ben Askren is fighting i think he's fighting jake paul in a boxing uh, yeah 
bout in a couple of weeks or a month or so. Like, as a fighter, what's your views on that? Because, like, for me, I'm looking at that and I just think, I think I said this to you, Danny, a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think Conor McGregor eventually will take Jake. If Jake Paul keeps beating people in boxing, eventually Conor McGregor will take the fight simply because it's an easy hundred million for him. Like, and that sounds ridiculous, but it is like, why, why wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I guess is is the the question. But like, as a fighter, how do you feel when you're seeing kind of these guys calling out various fighters after it, a couple of boxing matches? Yeah, it's uh, well, when you're saying stuff about his wife and that, it's a bit fire, it's a bit much. Yeah, it's no need. I'm, uh, I'm all for like a bit of banter, like pushing a fight and having a you know, making some money. I, I get it, it's entertainment at the end of the day it's it's uh it's it's like resting but it's, it's we really, really do get hurt. But um yeah. yeah. So it is entertainment and I get it and like, you know what, if if you're gonna offer me a ridiculous amount of money to fight some celebrity, I'm I'm buying that celebrity boat tomorrow. But uh <laughs> yeah, so like, you can't blame me. Like Ben Askin's probably gonna make the biggest payday of his career, is that right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah so and uh I mean hopefully he can win, but uh yeah, it's a fascinating one that is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird Ben Askren's like a bit a bit of a fascinating one because obviously before he came into the UFC yeah. he was incredible, he was you know, he really looked like he could go far in the UFC and then he came in and he just didn't quite work out for him. Obviously, the the he got knocked out uh, in the one fight, and he never quite recovered mm. from that. Really, he just didn't go for him. And then, all of a sudden, now because he's got plenty to say for himself, and Jake Paul is looking, just looking for that big MMA name, and he someone yeah. he can fight, and hopefully, from his point of view, beat. So then he can move on to that sort of super fight where he's going to make hundreds of millions. Yeah. But from Ben Askin's point of view, like like you say. Like, he retired, and then he's going to get his biggest payday of his career from fighting a YouTuber in a boxing bout. That's it. Who it's weird, do it? isn't it? Because he's not even known for his striking either. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like strange. Yeah. yeah. How do you see that going? Oh, honestly, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if he can win it. And I hope he does. But uh, <laughs> his hands are too great, you know? I know. Yeah. It's a little worrying, isn't it? I'm I'm a little bit worried about it. You know, it's going to make him even more vocal oh, if he meets someone like Ben. And and Ben's, you know, he's just not known for his striking at all. Ah, worrying. Jake Paul's, Jake Paul's got youth on his side, and he's had, I think, <laughs> yeah. three or four boxing matches like already. Yeah. So, like, I know it's not like a massive long career of boxing, but he's got a bit of it behind him. He's got some rounds behind him. Yeah. So oh, you do worry. Like, someone put a good point. Like maybe uh, Askin's just going to clinch him, put like wear him down, keep doing that. Maybe uh, be interested. Yeah, yeah. Like people are buying going to watch it. There's no matter how much uh, Jake Paul doesn't interest me and he irks me a bit in some of the stuff he's said and done. Like yeah. I stand, I'm just going to watch it. So it's, I guess it is where it is. Um, yeah, I just it's very strange. Not quite sure where it's going to go. Um, in terms of your kind of training partners and uh, 
stuff like that, Arnold. Who should uh, who should we look out for over the next sort of year or so? Who you think uh, could make a statement? Who could make a statement? Oh, there's a so well, Eamon Zahabi's fighting in what is it, two, ten days? He's fighting on the I think the twentieth, I think. He's okay. fighting on the so obviously look out for him, he's been working hard for a long time and like he's an absolute killer. And uh two other guys, my main training partners this Mandel Nara. He's one guy on uh Bellator, he's an absolute monster. He's yeah, he's a scary guy to spar with. <laughs> Especially when he's you know you're sparring and you hear the guy next to you sort of go down gurgling because he's been dropped with a body shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going with him next. <laughs> and uh, there's Louis Sanadakis. There's, uh, these are my main, they're like my main training partners, you know, like these guys have really helped me sort of come on leaps and bounds. So. And when I first come to TriStar, like, I think... Uh, I think Eamon did this side of the UFC as well, and like, I didn't know, I didn't really know these guys as well, so I was like, in your head you're a little bit like, oh, well, they're not in the UFC, so they're probably that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just killed me everywhere, and they, they still do, so. <laughs> it's good, to, and, that's uh, got to be good for your training though, anyway, go on, Dan. Yeah, and, and with, like, different opponents and that, what would, you know, not to give away anything at regards on what you think of your level in any particular area, but would you say, you know, it's more scary to face someone that's known as a devastating striker or, you know, a super sharp submission guy? As, um, is there a particular opponent which you would say it gives you more anxiety? I mean, because obviously the submission side of things, you're not necessarily getting hurt. It's a, a little bit of a choice, isn't it, to let an armbar go further than it should? Yeah. But regards someone punching, kicking and kneeing you, um, you know that, that that's, brings a whole different type of fear into the equation. Have you got a preference of who you like to face stylistically? Uh, you know, like my style is more more of a striking style and all that. But like, like a counter wrestling striking style is, is pretty much what. I, but uh, I, uh, I'm pretty comfortable on the floor. You know, I'm I'm, I'm uh, I train with these back belt guys all day every day, and uh, you know, I'm not I'm not unaware of the subs I'm not like a green guy in the thing but I think that mm. when them guys that have got that sort of one punch knockout power is, is probably way scarier than that you know because it's mm. it, technically you don't, you don't even have to be good to have power some guys have uh, you know they've got poor skill but they've got a lot of power you know I remember when I used yeah, to yeah, coach yeah. people back in the day like I used to coach people uh, <laughs> they couldn't punch but I mean, they hit hard, but they didn't know how to do it, but they were doing it, and there's like, geez, this guy. Sure, here. sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm curious to know as well, you know, out of you know, all these wins that you've had, which one's your most notable, the one that you, you were so happy to get? You know, what's the one that meant the most to you? Uh, I think um, Melendez has to be, Gilbert Melendez has to be. Uh, yeah. Just because like, he's such a big name. Uh, and it was like it was kind of in my head. It was it was the big show. It was on John Jones on the card. So I was like, it was it was the fight, international fight week, the big pay per view, uh, the big stage. Obviously, it's not for me, but it, I was on it. Mm. I was like always wondering how I would handle that big name with that big stage, and and it was as sort of as I hoped, my best sort of performance, most relaxed, most calm. Right. You know, it was everything I wanted. Yeah, he's done big, big things in MMA uh, throughout his career. I'm not just sure whether he's active anymore. Is, uh, is he officially I think he retired? retired? Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too sure, uh, but yeah, he's had a fantastic career. Yeah. Um, 
you know, obviously he's been exposed to training with some really, really top, top guys. Um, yeah, I mean, when I was looking through the list of, of people that you fought, that, that was one that stood out for me. I was like, wow, yeah. you know, that that guy's got some status about him and yeah. that must have been quite something. But, you know, people, you know, note different wins uh, of being influential on their careers uh, more than others, not just because they're not such a big name. Um, but, yeah, I mean, what an amazing win to be able to say you beat some guy like that. And yeah. That's quite incredible. That's it. That, like, you, I was looking across the cage. I remember he had uh, Nate Diaz stood. Like, he wasn't in his corner, but he stood there. He was talking to like shouting stuff to him. And I, I see Nate Diaz, and I'm like, oh, these, these, these guys are, you know, these are the guys. These are the guys you want to be beating. So, yeah, mm. I was glad I handled it well. <laughs> in terms of, um, in terms of like uh, finishing a fight. Like, what's your, if you could choose how you finish a fight, would you rather, like, out-technique someone for, you know, three rounds, five rounds, and and win via unanimous decision comfortably? Would you rather submit them? Would you rather TKO them, knock them out? What would be your preference if you <laughs> well, could choose? If you watch my fights, you think I'm a liar, but I'd, I'd, uh, I'd rather knock out any day. <laughs> I'd rather go out and knock someone out. But if you watch the fights, it looks like I'd rather live. Go to the decision and out technique. Yeah, I'm looking I for do, it. <laughs> yeah, I always wonder what like it was more satisfying for a fighter. Mm. Like if they'd you know if it's more satisfying to to tap someone out and have them give up or to you know to mm. knock them out or just to completely prove that you're superior technically via yeah. the decision. It's an interesting one for sure. Um, just to finish us off, um, Arnold, what I'd like to do is uh, get your predictions for some of the fights uh, for UFC yeah. next week, if that's all right. Yeah, um, So, let me get that. So, uh, obviously, you've got the main event, and, Danny, I'll get yours as well, mate, well, but yeah, then it's, um, we've got the main event, which is Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Arnold, how do you see that one going? Uh, I just think, Bur- uh, not Burns, I think uh, Usman's going to just do what he does. He's going to put the pace on him. I know they're both quite... Molding to like the similar sort of style at the minute, high pressure guys and a high pace, they just keep sort of going, they're in your face. I just think Usman's going to be better at that, he's bigger, stronger, he's just going to be much better at it. Yeah, they're both beasts, and they like Kamara yeah. Usman's just looked on another level of like, what, which who have you got in that, Dan? Yeah, I think it's hard to go against Usman, really. Um... I think the thing that's impressed me with Usman is obviously we know his wrestling's really, really good. His clinch game's really, really good to smother people. But the fact that he's proved that he's got pretty accomplished hands now as well to go alongside with that wrestling style that he has. Um, Burns is more the guy who obviously delivers a lot of power into his punches. He's obviously got that really gifted ground game, but this is MMA. And I just feel like Usman's got that superiority in the wrestling and, and the clinch to be able to steer where that fight goes at any given time to keep him out of the the fire of Burns's forward forward sort of style. Um, yeah, so I, I can't bet against Usman with this one. I mean, Gilbert Burns has looked really, really amazing uh, of late. He has looked really, really good and definitely deserves to be in there with him. And, you know, it only takes one thing to catch Usman and he's going to get the win. Mm. But I think you know, if they fight 10 times... I would say Usman's going to win eight of those at this given time. Yeah, it's going to be like Usman's looked so good um, in the last sort of year or two. 
So it'll be very interesting. You know, Gilbert Burns deserves his shot, but I I think Usman is probably going to take it, but it'll be interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Um, the co-main event is a, a women's flyweight bout between uh, Macy Barber and Alexa Grasso. Um, Arnold, what have you got there? Oh, uh, Grasso, to be honest, I've seen them fight a little bit. I haven't seen too much of Macy Barber, to be honest, but I've seen Grasso. She looked good, so just for that reason, I'm going to go with her. Mm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close one, but uh, I'd go with Grasso as well. Danny, who you got there? Uh, well, if you're both going with Grasso, I'm going to go with Barber. Cause, you know, she, she has only had the one loss against her name so far, so... Um, yeah, and she's coming at the rank. The, the thing is that, you know, sometimes I find that I go with people you know, on their last performances, and, and which is obviously a good good way of going about it. But with some of these fighters that are sort of like an under 10 fights, they keep on coming back into their next fight with a, a new skill set. And you're mm -hmm. seeing grapplers suddenly becoming, you know, hitting that point where they're actually comfortable to be striking with people knowing to be good strikers. And I'm not even attempting to get it to the ground, even though they're known as grapplers. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say because, you know, Barbara's making big increments in our game. I expect to see that continuing improvement. So I'm going to go with Barbara on this one. Good shout. Good shout. Uh, next up, middleweight bout between Kelvin Gastelum and uh, Ian Hench. Hench. Apologise if I pronounced his name wrong. Uh, Arnold, you got there. Heinish. I'll go with Heinish. Yeah. I'll go with uh, Kelvin. Kelvin. I, I always like Kelvin, the way he fights. Just, uh, he's just a bit of a beast, isn't he? Like, always sort of, he's got great body, good hands, good power. And, uh, yeah, he's pretty solid. It's a, it's a big it's a big fight for um, for Ian Heinish because Kelvin yeah. uh, Gastelin is a, you know, he's a massive name. He's, uh, he's obviously ranked a bit higher. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a, it's a big ask, but... You know, I think they've made that bout for a reason, and I think I'm going to go with uh, Ian Heinz for that one. What have uh, you got, Dan? Yeah, I'm going to go Heinz for this one. Um, you know, uh, Gaslam is an absolute beast. I love the way he fights, but um, yeah. he struggled of late. He, he just has struggled of late. Uh, you know, if he brings his, his top game like we've seen before in the past, he, he can look really, really good. But I just feel like he's just lost a little bit of his momentum and rhythm lately. Hmm. Um I always uh, think as well with him that if he just, you know, uh, addressed his strength and conditioning and his dietary, his lifestyle, I, I guess we could say, um, I'm sure this guy could fight in a lighter weight division. He's not particularly big at the weight, and that's that, that always makes it look like uh, always hard matchups for him. He's literally yeah. always given away height and natural size and athleticism to so many people. And I just think that the skill set of these UFC uh, fighters these days, you, you can't really go giving away anything like that. Um, Especially in that so, yeah, division. Yeah, um, so to, to me, yeah, I'm going to stick with Ian on this one. Okay, good shot. And then lastly, uh, we've got a bantamweight bout between Pedro Munez and Jimmy Riviera. Ooh, ah. In that one, uh, Arnold, that is a close one to call for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, I'll go with Pedro Munoz. Just, I just like the way he fights it. Again, same thing. I just like his style. He's, he's always sort of mm. the He looks good. Uh, Jimmy Rivera. Yeah, it's a bit, yeah, I see him getting lit up by Munoz, to be honest. Yeah, what about you, Dan? Yeah, that's, this, this one's going to be really hard to call. Um, I'm going to go Munez as well, but 
this is very very hard to know who's going to win. I'm just going to enjoy watching this one. I think it's a great matchup. I really do. Hmm. But yeah, I'm going to go Munez as well with this one. Munez really needs the victory as well because um, yeah. obviously he lost to Aljamain Sterling, then he lost to Frankie Edgar, which I think maybe people didn't expect. Um, yeah. And you know he's coming off a two-fight losing streak. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm going to go with Jimmy, Jimmy Riviera. Why not? Um, mm. So, yeah, that'll be a very, very interesting fight. It's going to be a good card, actually, next week. Quite looking forward to that one. Um, okay. Uh, Danny, is there anything else you want to put to uh, to Arnold before we release him? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, we've already touched on, you know, uh, you know the inactivity of fights. Mm. You know, what would you suggest for you... Um, would be the ultimate amount of times you would fight in a year if you get given the option to. Yeah, uh, I think four four is perfect. I mean, three three at this level is realistic to break the year down into thirds. But yeah, uh, four is is the perfect number. But yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, it's been a few times in in my career that I'd have four or five fights in a year, and and doing BJJ tournaments as well. And um, I remember when I. Did that five fights in one year that made me feel like uh, I almost needed a break yeah. afterwards. As much as I loved it as a lifestyle, it it really felt a bit like I was having a little bit too much of it. I, I suppose you would say. It's like, I suppose it's like going to the cinema every week and after a while, it's not going to seem special. Um, yeah, sure. It definitely helped in terms of feeling relaxed and not being so nervous. But mm. yeah, and I just you know wondered how many times because it does seem, doesn't it, when people go into UFC, it does drop down to two or three times a year. Yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think I had six once in the in the space of twelve months, and it was wow. Like, like you said, it was it was perfect. But like, you didn't get the nerves. You got the experience. You're out there fighting. But now it's like the level is a bit different. You need to prepare for everyone a bit. Yeah, a bit. Uh, you need a specific camp, and then obviously I'm cutting more weight than I was back then, and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to do too many weight cuts in a year. Yeah. So yeah, three or four is the perfect sort of number. I think. Yeah. Yeah, cracking. Um, Arnold, thank you so yeah. much for joining us, mate. Really appreciate your time and uh, chatting to you. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, you're obviously you're very welcome back anytime at all. Whenever you, uh, whenever you've got the time and fancy it, um, and maybe you can come back and chat to us uh, after your next fight, which yeah, sure. uh, I'm sh hopefully will be in April, shall we say? <laughs> Definitely. But uh, yeah. cheers, mate. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Good luck. Thanks, good, good man. Uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, another, another top level guest, my friend. Oh, he's back. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, yeah, yeah. Very, very calm, guest, cool character. Very calm, yeah. cool character. Yeah, really. I've just really enjoyed that, mate. Just uh, chatting to it, and like I said, uh, it's good to get it. Uh, we've had such a range of like top, top level fighters uh, at the yeah. moment just coming on the show. Having a chat about how they do things, what they're up to, then you know their next fights, whatever it may be. Yeah, um, and that continues next week, mate. When we get uh, we got Corey McKenna coming on next week, fresh yeah, off that's a very excellent. impressive UFC debut. Uh, I believe it's the first female fighter we've had on the show as well. So uh, that would yeah, be, yeah, that's fantastic. A good good, uh, good thing to break. And then um, yeah, we got uh, all sorts of names uh, lined up in the future from coaches, commentators, fighters going to be a, a lot of fun and a very interesting year coming up but um 
We've got some stuff to talk about, mate, from uh, from last night. Um, I think we'll start with uh, Paige Van Zant made a bare knuckle boxing debut. Uh, did it go to plan? Uh, well, no, I'm sure our plan was to 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 win. Um, mm. You know, uh, we got asked to cover Josh Barnett when he fought a bare knuckle fight. Um, yeah, and he used his clinch to good effect to nullify the um, outward skill of a predominant boxer, basically, um, mm. and done really, really well with it. Um, Van Tant, although you would surmise that she would be more dominant in the clinch, it was actually causing her trouble being in the clinch. She was getting outworked. So she was holding that single tie hold, or a plum guard, I think some people call it. And when you're doing that, when you're holding onto the head, obviously you're nullifying uh, any of their footwork to break free, but you've got, you've got to go busy in with the uh, uppercuts and and in tight hooks and, and you hit the body hard. She wasn't doing any of that, but um, Hart was really laying into Van Tant's body. And then of course, oh, Van Tant, big shots Van, to the body. Yeah, big really shots. big shots. And, and, and Van Tant just didn't respond with it. She didn't try to match her pace for pace inside that clinch by hitting with her uh, a free arm. Um, and the other issue she had, that when it went on the outside, she was giving away a little bit of height and a little bit of length. Um, uh, and so she was, Sort of like having to push close. She always looked at her best when she was throwing, you know, vibrant combinations, but they were just too few and far between. I felt like she was just getting slightly outpointed uh, because of those two ranges, the long and the in close range. She did look great coming forward when she did come forward. She just did not do that enough. When she was on the outside, she sort of like waited on the outside well, 10, was... 20 seconds too long each time. Yeah, there was, I felt like um, Britain really. Dom Britain Hart um, really dominated the fight. Her body shots were mm -hmm. incredible, um, and she hit Paige with a few good shots. But there was a point, I think it was uh, around twenty seconds or so into the fourth round, um, mm. where Paige was on the outside, and uh, Britain Hart sort of came forward, and all of a sudden Paige just dropped her shoulder, and she nailed her with a a really big right hand. Yeah, and but she didn't follow it up. And it looked like it, it, I don't think it shook Hart, but it definitely hurt. And I was waiting for the, like when she hit it, I was waiting for it to then come forward and really put some pressure on her. And it just never came. Um, and I don't know whether that was because of the body work earlier in the fight had made her a bit lethargic. But for me, if you're in a bare knuckle fight, obviously, look, I know even less about bare knuckle fighting than I do about MMA, but... In terms of, for me, I just think if you in a bare knuckle boxing bout, when you get a good shot in, you want to follow it up and put some pressure on to see if you can finish that fight. That's the point, isn't it? Like with the bare knuckle boxing, is that the strikes can end fights. Um, do you think? With you mentioned that she struggled a bit within the clinch. Do you mm. think that's because in her training, she focused so much on the striking aspect of it because it's bare knuckle boxing? that she kind of didn't maybe put as much work in with the clinch? Or do you think it was just yeah, the other girl the only, better at it? Yeah, no, I think the only thing I could think of is, you know, she's predominantly been training MMA. And when you clinch up a low as MMA, so we look to throw our strikes. We're having to deal with someone else potentially trying to take the advantage position-wise and put you against the fence and try what to take down on you as well. So we're having to think of so many other things. So um, we can't as MMAs think that we can just clinch and just start throwing 
box in close boxing shots. Um, so I just think the pace is just different. The rounds are shorter. Um, the pace is going to be quicker because you've got to fit so much more work rate in and you've only got your hands to throw. So the whole pace is different. And I feel feel like Van Zandt was perhaps a little bit unaccustomed to that. Um, and regards you saying that she landed a big shot, you're absolutely right, she did. But because this is a different pace fight, it must have felt a little bit more rushy for her. So, and you know, a different ground, a crowd, a different pace, a, a totally different striking sport in, in many aspects. So it must have felt so, so different. And, um, you know, this is bare knuckle. You know, any of the shots are going to be hugely consequential to what might happen in regards to cuts and getting knocked out. It's, it's a real brutal format. And so perhaps she was just unaware of how good a shot it was. Uh, yeah. I imagine when you're hitting anyone with a, a next to bare fist, they feel like they're good shots going in each time. Um, I just think that, you know, the nerves would have been a little higher. I think the experience was a little bit more fresh. Um, and so you become a little bit more disconnected, just sort of like just in a fight. Um, but I thought she performed very, very good. Look, this was never never a fight that she was um, getting outclassed in, in every sense. She was definitely in there and keeping herself relevant at all times. I just think she's got to learn to deal with the different pace, the shorter rounds, and, um, and deal with that clinch a little bit more differently. You know, she's going to be a work in progress for her first few fights. Um, I think she'll develop to come good you know why not you know she, she just yeah it's different um just a little shout out as well on the same card uh ufc veteran chris leben leben uh he won by a ko which was in his retirement fight uh so his combat sports career is uh is over uh brutal knockout as well just saw right. but um yeah you know shout out to ufc veteran chris leben uh who finished his fighting career last night? Um, finished with a win as well, which is always, I think, the way uh, fight uh, right. would like to go out, my friend, isn't it? Yeah, definitely so. Um, so we had the UFC uh, Vegas card last night. Um, what do you think of the card, just overall? Yeah, I've really enjoyed watching this. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really love watching Clay Weeder fight. So that was really good to see him. And I think that was a really interesting matchup, actually, to fight uh, mm. Michael Johnson. That that was great. Uh, Freire and, and Darius, what a fight. I think that was a great scrap. Um, yeah, there's was, there was some good ones. Um, some you know fast knockouts as well. Um, submission attempts. There was good groundwork. Uh, yeah, it was a good show overall. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I wanted to, to make mention. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it because I uh, I didn't. Uh, notice it until when we started recording. Um, Molly McCann fought on the prelims uh, and she lost again, um, which is so disappointing for for her and for us British uh -huh. fans um, because she had that fight, didn't she, um, a couple of years ago? Uh, and she, I can't forget who it was against, but she really, really went to war with someone. Yeah, I think she might have lost it on a decision, but like she, she became a star in losing um and then since then it hasn't quite gone to plan for her um so yeah perhaps we could uh, we'll go into a bit more detail on molly next week um obviously sure. as well we'll have a, a female fighter as a guest so i'd be interested right. to get Corey's kind of opinion on what what's uh what's going wrong for molly mccann perhaps at the moment because like i said she um 
she looked poised to really, uh, I don't know what the word is, but like really take her UFC career to the next level. Mm. Um, and then it hasn't quite worked out for her. Um, I'm just trying to work. I'm just trying to have a look at who that fight was against. Where she, so she, she faced um, Ariana Lipsky in 2019 on the Moisiano Korean Zombie Card, and she won uh, by unanimous decision. And she signed a four-year contract with the UFC after that fight. Um, and yet, and she'd won a previous fight versus Priscilla Cachiera. Um, and th- that's right. So she fought on the. Uh, she made a UFC debut in 2018 against Gillian and uh, Gillian Robertson uh, on the Thompson versus Darren Till card. Um, she lost via a rear naked choke, but she did very well, and she got um, another fight after that versus Priscilla Cochera, which she won by unanimous decision. Then she had that uh, great fight with Lipsky and won by unanimous decision again, got a four-fight contract. Um, and then she kind of followed that up with a win, and then it's kind of not gone to plan the last couple of fights. She lost uh, by a unanimous decision to uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, and then again she's lost by a unanimous decision to Lara Propico. Um, so... You know, what started out as a, a very promising UFC career, I'm referring to. You know, she started yeah. off with some wins. Last two fights haven't gone to plan. But, you know, I think there's a, there's, you know, two fight, two, a two-fight loss streak is not the end of the world. There's, there's no, back, no, particularly so I, at her age. Uh, absolutely. I don't think we should be writing her off by any stretch. Um, you know, this is the UFC after all. Um, okay, so she is going to be under a little bit more pressure to perform, you know, she doesn't want to be going losing three in a row, but she's had her successes as well. And, you know, each of these fights, wins and losses, she is going to be making improvements and um, she's going to experience. And I'm sure we're going to see her back in winning ways. Um, yeah, two fights losing, uh, that's going to happen to most people in their careers. Um, and most people recover from that. Um, it's, it's normally an age thing that normally sees the demise of most athletes. So, um, I think she's going to be back, and I think she's going to be fine. Um, I just hope she gets something, you know, reasonably soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, she's, so, um, so this doesn't dwell too long on her on her yeah. mind that she's, you know, lost two in a row. Yeah, in hundred percent. I mean, her career uh, record is ten and four, which is, you know, that is not a terrible record. She wins more than she loses. Um, yeah. The UFC record is now uh, three and three, which is obviously. That's more of a worry when you look at it from the, the way UFC are going to look at it. But um, it seems like she's got still two fights on her contract anyway. So, you know, if she wins those two fights, it's yeah, look, she's she's going to wait. She's she, yeah, she's going to win her next two, and, and then she'll be five and three, and that's not a bad record. When no. you, know, you know, when you're young as she is, uh, they will take that into account. She's going to be fine. She, she's gonna yeah absolutely she's um she's, she's gonna 30, come back she's from 30 and you know that's that's prime for a fighter isn't it, these yeah days. and i think yeah. the ufc is looking for female fighters to really go and make a statement so like you say if she can win yeah. those two fights left exactly exactly i think the women's divisions that that they're, they're doing nothing but expanding and you're you're having fresh talent coming in and so she'll be getting herself classes being quite experienced now so 
you know, as long as she's getting reasonable matchups and that there's there's no reason why she can't rack up and have a couple of wins and get herself straight back on track and straight back up there in the mix. She just has to take a deep breath, have a look and be honest with herself about what she feels, you know, has gone wrong. And, and you know, like we keep on saying, and we, we don't like to keep on probing about it, but times are slightly different. Um, yeah. You know, although we're getting kind of used to it now and we're finding mm-hmm. our ways around it within the eyes of the law and to be training in a safe way, you know, that may well have, you know, knocked her rhythm off a little bit. That may have been consequential to these results. We, we, we don't really know unless we ask her um, herself, yeah. but um, I don't think she's made any statements, has she, that we know no, of? Yeah, no, um, I don't think so. You know, that would be very telling, you know, perhaps if we could, could hear something from her, but... Yeah, like I say, I feel very, very confident she's going to come back from this and um, things are going to get back on track with her. Yeah, me too. Um, so, with the UFC main card, um, Danilo Marquez versus Mike Rodriguez was moved off the prelims and onto the main card due to the time constraints. Um, this is the second uh, event in a row where they've done that. Uh, I don't know whether uh. it's because three of the fights on the prelims, four of the fights on the prelims, went to a decision. So they just ran right. out of time. Um, uh, I don't know possibly what it is, so. But, um, I, I didn't actually know that that happened. Yes. No, that's right. Um, so uh, that one, Danilo Marquez defeated Mike Rodriguez via a rear naked choke. Um, it was a good little fight. Uh, Rodriguez yeah. looked relatively good, I think. It was, um, you know, it wasn't a, quite a, as good as some of the fights later on in the card. Um, but it was enjoyable. Uh, it was a very good performance by both men, but ultimately, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, uh, ultimately Danilo Marquez got the victory with the rear naked choke. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I've got it playing player. now. I, I've got it playing now, and it, it looks like he's he's not mucking about. He's just getting no. close to Rodriguez, and he's smothering him against the fence, getting him down. It just looked like he wanted a grapple fest, and he's, you know, from the look of the result, it, he's obviously mm. got his way with that. Yes, indeed. He um, he was looking for that. He was looking for a submission, I think, uh, from quite an early point, and he got it in the end. Um, so next up was Benil Darush versus Diego Ferreira, uh, with Darush picking up the victory via a split decision. Um, this was the one I said to you I thought was a bit of a sleeper for match of the evening. Um, tell us, did it disappoint? No, I, I actually really enjoyed this. Uh, Darius went for the kill from the get-go. He, he was just really chasing uh, Ferreira down. Um, you know, normally, uh, Darish doesn't look as athletic as some other people. You know, some other people are really rich, really quite muscled, but he actually looked like the bigger man, which surprised me. And in my mind before this fight happened, um, I was thinking Ferreira was going to be the bigger physical mm. guy, but um, Darish actually looked the bigger man, although not as athletic as Ferreira. But, Darius absolutely put his physicality on him. He kept pressing him against the fence. We saw some nice takedowns. We saw some great scramble-ups. Freire said that he was going to use his submissions to get himself up off the back and not necessarily now the submission itself. And he did put that into effect. Although it did consequentially, though, mean that he was getting scored upon a lot with the takedowns and you know threw away that first round uh, with the incredible activity of Darius. Um, Darius did get himself rocked, though, didn't he, uh, a couple of times. He was just perhaps opening up a little bit too much um, and, and was getting himself caught and rocked. He sort of had a fantastic first round and then sort of had it 
shadowed a little bit at the end when he was I don't know if he was feeling the fatigue and, and the, the punch affected him in that way. But, yeah, he got lumped up with some nasty nasty shots and a teep to the face as well. Do you remember the teep to the face? Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, that looked nasty, I just, nasty. I just thought it was a, a, a great pace fight. Um, mm. it, it, it was a fight that, you know, we, we can sometimes think that when two people are just striking and they rack up incredible numbers uh, with punches, kicks and knees being thrown, this was one of those paces that it was down on the ground and there were some submission attempts to create the scramble back up to the feet. Um, there was obviously a lot of strikes being thrown at all times. I don't know. To me, mm. there's just, this was a fight that was super interesting for me. I, I loved all the transitions. It was up and then it was down, but certainly when it was up, they didn't come off the pace. And you could partly, you know, give that erratic um and fast paced to the fact that Darish just did not stop walking forward. It, it was it was great to see. Um, Darish has really been improving um, mm. fight after fight, hasn't he, uh, uh, of late? And you can almost see that ooze of confidence in those results that he has been getting um, in his performance. He j just took it to Ferreira. Um, I, I'm quite surprised that you think it was a snooze fest. I mean, uh, no, maybe no, because I it was I enjoyed a it. Oh, okay. I enjoyed that. Um, oh, no, I was yeah. asking you if it disappointed. I was just oh, right, I see. You no, no, I yeah, no. I enjoyed it. There was a point in the, the first round where um, Daniil Baruch almost had a mount, and um, all of a sudden, Ferreira took his, just grabbed his leg and almost pulled him into like a, almost a splits. And before he knew it, um, uh, Danu Darush was on top of him, but Ferreira was hitting him with like. Those sort of elbows, slicing elbows right down his face. So even though Darush had the more dominant position, he was on top of him almost in mount. Uh, Ferreira was still able to nail some real nice elbows from the bottom. Um, yeah. And they kind of exchanged grappling around. And it was just non-stop, whether it was on the feet and they were just going for strikes non-stop, or whether they were on the floor and exchanging grappling yeah transitions yeah, it, i thought what I, I Ferreira think, did quite well though mate as well is when yeah I, I do forward he was nailing him with like short hooks almost like really short yeah. hooks as derouche was coming in and i was almost after the first round i was thinking god if he nails one of them plum he yeah. might catch him but derouche yeah. was just uh non-stop yeah he was he really really did impress me but Likewise, I'm, I am really impressed with Ferreira because in that third round, he really made the adjustments and, you know, that, that was partly due to, you know, his corner, you know, wanting him to not sit down on his shot so much and not hunt for that knockout and, mm. and play sort of like hit a move, hit a move. And it really worked well to avoid him um, being taken down as much. And indeed, you know, he had some time on top uh, in that third round and uh, it was looking good for him, but he sort of figured out Darius's game a little too late in the fight, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Maybe if this was going to be a five-round fight, that would have been a different result. But the result is is what it is, and Darius is on a roll now. And he's won a few in a row now, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he's got to be moving right up did there. You, um, did you did you have Darius winning this, yeah? Yeah, I, I think that was a good call. Yeah, he, he, he just worked so hard. He absolutely deserves that result. Were you surprised it was a split decision and not a, like a unanimous? A little bit. Yeah, because I felt that he won those first two rounds, you know, with the, the, the takedowns and that forward-going pace. I, I felt that he would won it. Yeah, um, 
clearly two rounds to one. I think he, you know, third round, I would have definitely give to Ferreira, but yeah. the first two were definitely in Darius's favour to me. He's on a but, six yeah, fight he, win streak. Yeah, I mean, that's quite something. And to me, like I say, he's, you know, not to say you know the way you look physically is going to decide whether you, um, you know, are going to be an effective fighter or not. You know, that's never the case. But he sometimes doesn't look as strong or as athletic yet. He just seems to get the job done. He, he looks like mm. the bully in there. And his striking is definitely looking more and more dangerous. He's looking more tidy with his striking. Sometimes he looks a little bit, um, you know, uncouth coming forward, yes, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, he's uncouth or not, you know, he's effective and, and it, getting it, confident. And you're seeing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of excited now. You, I think he could be making some serious noise now. Um, what's his rank... At the moment, I want uh, so to they, they were nine and ten beforehand. Right. So he's really getting up there now. Nine. Yeah. So he'd be sort of like seven or eight now. And mm. yeah, he's getting himself re- re- into real relevancy in that division now. Absolutely, mate. It's going to be fascinating to see where he goes next. Um, next up was uh, Alexandra Pantoja versus Manuel Cape, with uh, Pantoja getting the unanimous decision victory. What do you make of this one? Yeah, and again, this was a, a really good and interesting little match. Uh, Padura looked really, really good in the first round. Super, super sharp. And, and Cape was a little bit passive. Very, very good defensively. But um, wasn't really given anything of offence too much. Mm. Um, you started getting a sense that he could do something with his wrestling. He was picking up on that single leg and going outside high with it. And um, really putting Panjara uh, off balance. And... I just wished he chased down that clinch game a little bit more. When I say clinch, not upper body clinch, going in on those legs, it looked like he was going to be more successful with it. And um, Cape just didn't have enough urgency about his game. Uh, it was like he just wasn't quite urgent enough to try and take those rounds. It, he was keeping himself out of mischief, out of trouble, um, trying to select the perfect sort of shots and combinations but sometimes you just got to let it go a little bit more and when he was letting it go he was looking really really good but um just allowed Pajura to break away on the scorecard in in each of those rounds unfortunately um Pandura didn't look so comfortable going back and 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 Cape looked like he had had it all figured out and it was going to start changing direction but he just didn't stay in forward motion long enough he, he would back off he was sort of like enjoying himself almost a little bit too much out there showboated with his footwork on numerous occasions so maybe he was feeling like the fight was going a different direction to the way the judges were seeing it i mean it was no whitewash by any stretch but mm. uh but you look a bit silly don't you if you start showboating and then you lose That's yeah showboating and, and and you know, you're definitely not convi- winning convincingly in any way no. um Pajora looked good he looked very business-like uh, he, he looked mm. like he was not mucking about in there. He was in there to win. Um, and again, you know, he was not particularly hunting for you know a submission or a knockout. And he just wanted to get ahead and stay ahead. And he certainly did enough to do that. Um, yeah, but I think we're going to see more of Caper as long as his fight team that are behind him, you know, make him aware of where he went wrong with this. Because um, there was nothing wrong technically. It's just strategically of knowing where you are in that fight that I think let him down. I think maybe he felt it was closer or you know, maybe by he thought his, he was by ahead. By his reaction after the fight, he seemed to think that he had won, didn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which but strange to me because I found who knows clear. I would like to know what they were saying to him in the corner. I like to think that they were saying, hey, you come on, you've got to get on your bike and pedal a little bit here because he did pick up the pace. But mm. um, he always had the advantage when he shot in. And, uh, and it wasn't like it was hard work or highly physical fight for him to do so. So I don't know. There was no real excuse not to keep on pushing it there in my mind. Um, yeah, so a little yeah. bit disappointed for him in, in in that but if he makes the appropriate changes you know he he could be definitely something to look out for in the ufc but got to put those wrongs right first of all absolutely mate it was a very very interesting fight though enjoyable uh clay guido guida defeated michael johnson by a unanimous decision uh, another decision michael johnson back in the fold and uh, he was back with a, a loss unfortunately for him yeah, but, Michael Johnson uh, is clearly a very, very good striker. Um, uh, you know, he can wrestle a, a little bit. He's not a complete bum in the wrestling, but his ground game is always lacking. You know, if he gets taken down, all he does is look to get up, and he, he's not the greatest at it. Um, you know, Clay Wigweeder is not the biggest of dudes, um, but he is quite a smothering fighter. I think the only reason you see Michael Jackson get, Johnson get up off the mat as much as he did when he got grounded, was because he has a little bit of athleticism and size in combination uh, over Clay Wheeler. But I, I'm, I've always loved watching Clay fight. Um, I love his style. But he actually really surprised me in the first round with his hands. I think he actually outstruck Johnson in the first yeah, round. He, he was rocking him a couple of times, punched him, and it looked like he got him right in the eyeball. Um, Clay, I think it was Clay who got cut, wasn't it? It was him that was bleeding. I'm not too sure what that strike was i tried to look mm. back to see which one it was that cut him i'm not too sure maybe he had a, a little bit of a scratch or a little bit of an injury through his training prep that just opened up in there but yeah clay really impressed me with his timing of his strikes because he doesn't look the crispest striker does he but no. that's partly because he looks to make people overthrow to get the clinch so it actually worked really really well clay does what clay does he, he throws hands he's got a lot of energetic movement and he gets in on the wrestle and he just never says never he goes on you know if i don't get you down this time i'll get down the next time and um and he keeps pushing he has belief in his style and it showed through for him and he started to uh you know grind through um johnson did respond and he did look like he was getting his footwork sorted, didn't he, with his striking. Mm. And um, a couple of times looked like he was beginning to hurt Clay Wheeler. But Clay Wheeler did enough in those first two rounds. And, and come that third round when Johnson's defence for the shoot was looking better and he was getting his footwork sorted, it's kind of like a, um, a little, you know, just a too late for him, really. Yeah. But I don't know where he goes from here. I don't think he's had great results of his no a number of fights now. He's had a fair few losses, I think, now, hasn't he? So, yeah, so it's yeah. just difficult. Like, with Clay Guido, um, particularly in the first two rounds, I was really impressed with, like, his head movement. Um, yeah. Just, he was, uh, his, his movement is real good. It doesn't always look technically perfect, but just he was making himself difficult to, to hit and also nailing some nice shots of his own. Um, and like you say, he did enough in those first two rounds that the third round Johnson would have needed to finish it. Um, yeah. That was never really in yeah, the I'd, I, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking with the striking, um, I think if Clay Weaver was fighting someone else who was orthodox, 
Um, mm. I think he doesn't look so good. Um, but the okay. fact that that opposite stance is, when your opposite stance is that cross hand that becomes so much more relevant. And being that he's a puncher into wrestle style MMAist, it just suited him really well. He obviously likes to launch that cross hand, which is more effective against opposite stance. Um, he was getting success with that. We have seen um, sort of that throughout his fight career has developed that head kick as well that's caught people out. Um, so everything's off that cross side. I just think it stylistically really suited him um, for the fact that there was opposite stance uh, on the feet predominantly. Um, mm. Yeah, great performance. I mean, Clay Guida's been around a long, long time. He's he's not the youngest of athletes out there now, but he, he's getting wins. Yes, he is indeed. Um, next up was uh, Corey Sandhagen versus Frankie Edgar, and uh, it didn't last long, 28 seconds. Yeah. Uh, and then most definitely the knockout of the night. Yeah, yeah, it was um, a great knockout. I mean, uh, Frankie was out on the feet. His body locked up like he was a plank of wood and timber it fell it um yeah it was not nice seeing him get knocked out in that way i mean he's completely he's been on completely a bit of a role out. as well as frankie edgar has but frankie edgar's, is a different animal a different animal. yeah uh, edgar's an incredible athlete and always in super fine shape um he's got skills in every area of, of the highest order really really has and and one of the most experienced ufc fighters in history he really has racked up the the, the time in the cage um, the thing is with Edgar, you know, he, he, he does sort of like just do the same thing time and time again. He's just so effective so often with it. But I think that this type of knockout, I think San Hagen had prepped and repped in his training. Um, he knows he's got the height advantage. He's probably got the speed advantage. And he knows Edgar comes in really square, which gives mm. Edgar maximum options to throw, to footwork, to shoot, to sprawl. But in doing that, he does leave himself a little bit vulnerable with those long-rangey, fast-reactive strikers like San Hagen is. Um, what a knockout. It was great. It was precision. Like I say, I really think he's wrapped this out in training. I think this was in the game plan to throw this type of shot out. He, um, he set it up, though. If you look, about 10 seconds before, um, as, as Frankie Edgar's circling him, and Frankie Edgar you know, thinks he's in control, he's looking for that, maybe a takedown or something like that, um, to clinch up. And as he's doing that, uh, Sandhagen finds his distance by just kicking him with a low kick. It's not a low kick designed to create damage. It's a low kick, to, in my opinion. It's a low kick just to measure the distance, just to make sure, yeah. get a feel of where he is. Because literally 10 seconds later, as Edgar comes in, he is in the, the perfect place, knocks him spark out with a flying knee. And I felt like that was really clever because... You know that kick, that low kick was nothing. It wasn't designed to damage his leg. It was just there. You are. I know where you are now. And he just waited yeah. for when uh, Edgar would come in. Yeah, well observed, Si. And I'm looking at it back as you say that. And uh, and yeah, you're right. It does look like that. That was nothing more than a range finder. Um, when you kick at the lead leg, um, it, you know you've got two choices. You you kick mm. through it and displace the leg so that they can't advance forward, or or you 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 touch it in there. Uh, as a little measuring tool, and it looked like it was a little bit of a prep up. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, I really am convinced, and um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, what statements he makes on whether this is something that he felt was um, a, a weakness in Edgar's game, regards being their stylistic matchups. Oh. Um, 
But I'm not surprised. You know, I think it was all for Sanhagen to win. I really do. Yeah. Uh, both wow. Both you know, said that to me. Yeah, people in that division now are, are going to be sitting up and thinking, "Hey, this guy is." Uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's shining. To be. Yeah. Oh yes. Uh, and then the main event was uh, Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. Um, wow, I thought Alexander Volkov was real impressive. Real impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Volkov's always been, you know, if he's going to lose, it's because he gets taken down, smothered. He doesn't look gracious on the ground. Um, but this guy's a massive, massive dude. He's really, really big. And, um, you know, Overeem's not, not a big many dude. people do that to Alistair Overeem, do they? No, like, no, no. Overeem's a, a, a big, big guy. Up, basically. Yeah, and, and, and Volkov made him look very, very average in size there and average yeah. in ability too. Um, Overeem's a world-class striker. He, he's absolutely world-class, but it looked like he was fragile in there against Volkov. And Volkov just looks so confident. It's like Volkov, um, I don't know, a, a, a popped off in a time machine and seen how this fight's already gone down. It didn't look like he doubted himself at all. He was coming forward confident but controlled. Um, his takedown defense was you know, on point. It did look like it just in one point that he began to breathe a little heavy because um, Overeem was throwing those big overhands from Southport into a clinch. Mm. Um, and it looked like if Overeem just pushed the pace, he may have stopped the effectiveness of Volkov. But do you think it the damage that Volkov had done meant that Overeem didn't have the tank to do that, to, to capitalise on that? Because I felt yeah, like exactly. he had just beaten him down. Like, if you... Like when he gets to the finish, like Overeem's on his knees and he's taking a big shot, but it just felt like a culmination of the damage that he had taken, just repeated shots yeah. to the head and body from a big, big heavyweight. You know, you ain't going to be able to do that for long, you. And um, yeah. No, I mean, we've seen this shelling up of Overeem and sometimes it served him well um, when the guy don't carry as much power as someone like Volkov. But when he showed up, I felt like it was like his force field was dropping below 50% and they began to get through him. And um, there was one point where his face got hurt, he started to bleed. And, and, and then he started looking really, really vulnerable. He, he started to look real real naked out there. And, and Volkov, rather than sort of jumping on it out of control, he just kept very, very controlled, very, very poised. And um, there was points, wasn't there, where Overeem was shelling up and Volkov landed a few strikes and then stopped and also was like looking for the clear openings. He, it just didn't open up and barrage against his uh, shelled up style. He was looking for the openings with every shot that he threw. And over him, he's been in many, many wars. I mean, did you have a look at both their fight records? There was well over 100 MMA fights between them. And so there's huge amounts of experience in that cage. Oh. And over him just looked like He's had so many battles that he just wasn't willing to push it that hard with that battle. I do feel like um, he's reached the end of the line for himself as well. I, I did watch quite an extensive interview with him, uh, not that not that long back, and um, he says that he feels like he's coming to the last couple of fights, and he's just literally taking fight by fight right now. So um, I think for that fact that he didn't stay in there and grit his teeth a little bit more, but I think even if he did. It would have been a matter of time before Volkov was going to be putting him away. Um, very, very convinced. I think we're going to see possibly the next heavyweight champion in Volkov. Ah, 
Interesting. I mean, that yeah. heavy the heavyweight division is just it's an odd one. I think in some ways because we've talked about sometimes you can get the kind of lumbering, um, slow, boring, maybe looking a bit unfit heavyweights. But in between all those, there's some genuine top athletes like Stephen yep. Milchik. Curtis Blades, I'd regard in that sort of, you know, he's an athlete rather than he doesn't look, you know, he looks in phenomenal yeah. shape. He's got skills. Uh, even Angano, like, he might not be the best in certain aspects of MMA, but uh, as an athlete, you know, he's in phenomenal shape. He's a very, very good, capable fighter and a good striker. Um, so there's some big names. And, and let's not forget, John Jones is uh, is going to fight in this division very soon could Volkov be the one yeah he, he could I mean um, you know Jones fighting someone like Volkov it would be the first time he's given away as much height as that to mm. anyone um, he I would have to go that, back to I his do, sorry mate to interrupt you I do think they're yep. going to put Jones against Dos Santos i got to be honest but I'd be very interested to see what Jones would do against such a big bigger opponent because he's not yeah it would be interesting because we've seen Jones of late haven't we just dominate with his long reach and yes. just do it really methodically and um, he doesn't outrun himself he does just enough to stay ahead all the time I don't think he'll have that comfort with Volkov he might have to go back to his old ways we used to see back in his early career some fantastic wrestling takedowns really really good with his leg on leg trips really fast um, he might have to go back to that to beat someone of the likes of Volkov and, and get it to a grounded situation. But, uh, yeah, definitely think, would um, be one that would interest me watching that one. Yeah, definitely. I think we'd see the return of those leg kicks, those like straight on yeah. leg kicks at the knees. Oblique kicks, and, yeah. yeah. Try and take out the, the legs of him and then, like you say, go to those really fast trips. But uh, it'd sure. be so interesting what they do with John Jones. I'm assuming it's going to be soon, um, but it's uh, nothing... I don't think there's been any sort of uh, heavy rumours. Like some some fights have leaked re recently. Like um, it looks like Arnold's going to fight. Um, oh, I forgot his name. Sadiq, I think it was. But um, I'm not sure. I just wondered if the any rumours. Like obviously they're trying to work towards that Adesanya fight. Um, I'm just having a quick look. See if there's any. It doesn't see, seem as if there's any, although there's a few reports today saying maybe Volkov could be the one for Jones, which, you know, that's I think that's probably to be expected because it was a you know heavyweight fighter who won last night. Like, you're going to get that. But um be interesting who who they uh, they match Jones up with because um, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to start him at the bottom. He's going to face a top 10, top 15 ranked fighter. Yeah. To me, Dos Santos makes probably the most sense to start with. Then maybe you move to like a Volkov and then you're looking at the... If he gets past both those guys, then you've got to put it in against one of those, you know, Nganu or Stipe or like those top sort of three or four. If yeah. if Jones gets past Volkov or um, Dos Santos, you've got Rosenstruck in there, Curtis Blades, Derek Lewis. You know, there's... There's a lot of power in that division. Um, even if you think, like, like the way I look at it is I just think John Jones on his day would beat 
any of those guys in pure MMA. But then I look at Derek Lewis and Curtis Blades and and Garnu, and I just think John Jones at his age now, if someone like Ngarnu nails him flush with a big shot, is he going to go down? You know, we saw Conor McGregor for the first time in his career get knocked. Like, that's the first time he's taken a shot and his legs have gone. I know there was mm-hmm. damage to the leg, but he looked for a split second, he looked like he was out. Um, and I wonder whether that's to do with his, you know, he's, he's not old, yeah. but he's getting older, your chin gets a bit... Yeah, less... Jones has not, he's not been in those wars though. He's not been in, no. he, you know, he's kept the miles off his clock somewhat. He's never taken a lot of damage, have he? No, no. So, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, in that weight division, any heavyweight can knock out any other heavyweight. That, that's the way it is. And of course, there's some that are more relevant to possibly getting the knockout over others. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think he's just too careful. He's too good with his range for that to happen to him. Although, you know, if one of these shots, you know, do partially get through, you know, how's he going to react to that? Because he hasn't been ever hurt with a punch and some of these guys will be able to hurt you whether you're block blocking them or not. And even if you footwork out the way of them, a lot of the power of these shots, they're, they're still going to be consequential on, and, and going to make you have to deal with something new. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's going to be the thing with Jones. You know, how's he going to be under that pressure with someone that's, you know, could rip your head off? And yeah. I, I don't know. It's going to be great. I just want to so see it happen sooner rather than later. Um, you know, I don't want him to be going through big power, uh, big periods of inactivity. I just want to see Jones getting in there and let's get these matchups happening, man. Let's get it moving. Yeah, I'd like to think that they'll once they get it going, like I said, like I mentioned to Santos and Volkov, if they want to move towards a heavyweight title bout, they need to get him in there fighting these guys. And, you know, if he doesn't take any damage, there's no reason why he could do two or three quick fights. But if he takes yeah. damage, then obviously it's going to be... That's why I think they should probably get it going. And yeah. obviously they want the Adesanya fight, which um, will obviously depend on whether he can get past the... His name, who's Adesanya fighting? Yeah, he's oh, uh, Blasvich. Uh, yeah, Blasvich. Blasvich. That's, that's yeah. no give me. No, for, that uh, is not. <laughs> so uh, a real tough one. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. But um, mate, that's the UFC. Another uh, another interesting show. Another fun show, mate. Another good guest. Um, guys, next week we've got uh, Welsh fighter Corey McKenna, UFC uh, female athlete, which I'm really looking forward to having a chat with her. As well as uh, we'll be talking the uh, Usman uh, Gilbert Burns card. So, um, yeah, subscribe, youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. We got all sorts of shows as well as the, uh, the Danny Batten fight shows. Uh, and of course, you can download the audio versions of the usual podcast platforms. But, uh, Danny, been a pleasure, my friend, as ever. Yes, thank you, Si. And uh, thank you for Arnold for coming on. That was great speaking with him as well. It's been a good weekend of uh, UFC coverage. Indeed, another another top guest and more to come. Uh, but until next week, we'll see ya.
You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Podcast Network.